Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. Radio Hour on Saga 960 AM. Um, I talk about politics, I talk about business, I talk about economics and other stuff. And uh, one of the things I really enjoy uh, in my role is I get to meet a lot of very impressive business people. And one of the most impressive business people I've uh, met uh, in my uh, career is Mohamed Faki, who is the President Chief Executive Officer of Paramount Fine Foods. Um, he uh, just last week won a big award, uh, um, Business Leader of the Year Award from the Mississauga Board of Trade. Um, and uh, got the keys to the city, which is uh, kind of uh, kind of fun. Uh, he's also won comparable awards from other organizations uh, in around uh, Toronto and Canada and Lebanon, etc. Um, and he uh, runs uh, the largest Middle Eastern, most successful Middle Eastern restaurant chain, if not uh, the world, at least Canada, maybe the world. And it's uh, been growing around the world. Anyway, I want to hear a little bit about uh, him and his background and his story, uh, but I also want to um, really... Uh, talk about some of the things that he's been passionate about uh, and uh, understand exactly why. So, Mohammed, thank you, and welcome to the Brian Crumby Radio Hour. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much, Brian, for having me here on your show, and that's amazing. I'm very excited to see Mississauga have a radio station where we can have a better voice and a louder voice where we can actually tell the world what's happening in Mississauga, and it's a great things what's happening in this city. Excellent. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. So, why don't we just start from the beginning and, uh, and tell me, how did you uh, come to Mississauga? Well, I came to Canada in 1999. I landed uh, in Pearson Airport from Lebanon. And as you all know, Lebanon was going through a civil war where people couldn't get along, the people from different religions. And I did want to just start building a life in a place that I heard that it's very welcoming, that a place that it's inclusive, and a place that has great opportunities for people. And a friend of mine was here and was talking a lot about Mississauga, about Canada in general. I thought this is a great opportunity for me. Uh, in Lebanon, I couldn't do a five-year plan, 10-year plan in any business I would open because of the war. Right. And I landed here in Pearson with nothing, $1,200 in my pocket, lived in a shared basement apartment. It got better. For the first six months, I had two people with me in the same basement. Then one left, so I had one person with me in the, ba- in the basement, and he left after six months. So I was alone in that basement for another year, two years in the basement apartment. Try to find a job. I'm a gemologist that sells shawarma. You're a gemologist? Yes, I studied gemology in Italy. And um, I couldn't find a job. People were saying that I didn't have Canadian experience. Uh, so I had to work at a coffee shop uh, to understand Canada and Canadians. Uh, worked in a coffee shop, got to really understand the language a little bit more. I, sp- I speak French, Italian, and Arabic. I didn't speak English well. Right. Um, and uh, after that, I uh, had to get a job 
uh, at uh, a jewelry store for free. The only way that I was able to convince him to give me a job was... So you volunteered to work for free? I had to. I had to call it volunteering, so it made me feel better. But, right. <laughs> but I worked really hard, and I had to take a job at coffee time uh, after hours at night shift because I had to make some money, and the jewelry store needed me during the day. Uh, I kept doing that until I got an opportunity from another jewelry store in uh, Eaton Center. It offered me a paying job, and that allowed me to stop to work uh, in coffee time. Right. And uh, from there, I got an opportunity with another jewelry company to own a small piece. Uh, it was a very small jewelry company where I asked them to give me a piece of the business uh, instead of a bigger salary. At uh, first, they said no. Then they came back and said, that's fine. We'll give you a small piece of the business. We grew that business pretty fast. And uh, afterwards, uh, the lady that owned it wanted to, for health reasons, wanted to stop. She helped me buy one of the locations by letting me pay a little bit at the time slowly. And then I got into the building business. And here, right here in Mississauga as well. And uh, again, a friend of mine started building and he couldn't finish. So he asked me to help him out. They didn't have the money. Uh, borrowed some money to help him out. And um, I helped him out. And from there, uh, I met the first customer that bought that house. And he said that... Uh, uh, there was some problem in the house that I dealt with it in a very good way because that's what I was good at, customer service and people. So he said he wanted to partner with me. We partnered together. We we built more than a couple dozen homes, uh, high-end homes in Mississauga. Um, again, gemologists building homes. So I got uh, some exposure to a media article. And one day... Um, well, wife- let me let me interrupt. So it's an interesting story. A lot of uh, people coming to Canada uh, would... Uh, probably have comparable stories, but I think there's a lot of good lessons uh, uh, in your story. Um, you know, you came here with next to nothing, and a lot of people want to start at the top, and, and clearly one of your lessons is that you're not afraid to start at the bottom, and what you did is you lived in a base, basement apartment, and uh, and and you worked hard. Uh, I think the second one is you wanted to learn the language, and therefore working at a coffee shop was one of the ways for you to learn language and customs and other things. Uh, you volunteered to work for free. Lots of people you know, want to get into their chosen profession, but aren't willing to get in unless they can again come into the top you you volunteered that's that's pretty at starting the bottom and then entrepreneur you took an entrepreneurial venture and that worked out and then you borrowed money to 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 launch an even bigger entrepreneurial venture and so risk-taking so there's a lot of lessons in your experience anyway i'm going to come back after a break and ask you about how you got into the restaurant business um this is uh, brian crombie on the brian crombie radio we're talking with muhammad faki president and CEO of Paramount Fine Foods. We're going to take a break for traffic and some other news and hold on and we're going to hear the story of Paramount in a couple of minutes. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960am.ca Welcome back to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960 AM. We're here talking uh, with Mohamed Faki, the president and CEO of Paramount Fine Foods, a, uh, a chain, a restaurant chain that started here in, uh, in Mississauga and has now grown around the world. Uh, Mohamed, uh, you were just about to tell us about how you found out about Paramount. How did you, how did you find out about Paramount? How did you become the proud owner of a restaurant chain when you're a gemologist that was in the building business? <laughs> well, it is. I mean, and I always say to everyone that always keep telling me, you know, you're lucky 
you did well, you're very lucky. I don't think it's luck. I think we all get presented with opportunities in life. It's just it's all about us just, number one, feeling that this is an opportunity or recognizing an opportunity. People won't recognize an opportunity. And will be 10 people in the room and you'll propose something that it could be good and only one person will jump on it. So the second thing is not only recognizing one, it's just having the courage to jumping in, saying, yes, I'm going to take this one on and take my chances, take that risk. So it's not luck. It's definitely not luck. You know, the, I, I got to I got to agree with you. There are so many people that recognize the opportunities after it's already gone. Uh, you know, oh, I should have done that a week ago. Or I should have. And, and so therefore recognizing that opportunity when it's presented, because I firmly believe that uh, there's an opportunity that's presented to you almost every day. And uh, it's a, uh, whether it's a person or, or a thing to do or, or a new business venture or an investment or something like that. And so therefore uh, being, as you say, courageous enough to grab onto it and go with it is uh, is a secret. But but recognizing it is the first one. Um, there's uh, an old adage about showing up is one of the key things. And a lot of us just sort of stay at home waiting for things to happen um, when what we got to do is get out there. Absolutely. And I agree with that. And I meet a lot of people where they say, I've never been presented with an opportunity. They simply didn't see it and didn't want to see it. And if you do, uh, I'm sure there is an opportunity that's coming your way, maybe tomorrow, maybe in a month. So it's just... So how were you presented with the opportunity? Well, uh, I got a call from my uh, wife asking me to go get a kilo baklava because we had some guests coming over that evening. So I drove to this place that was behind the police station right in uh, Crestland, Dixie and Eglinton. I almost, I got lost twice before I got there. The place was more for uh, uh, basically auto shop, auto body shop, a lot of uh, tow truck drivers, a lot of police officers and cars. And uh, I was wondering why would the pastry open there? And I got there and there was nothing paramount about the paramount place because, you know, the doors were old. Uh, half painted so i walked in and the 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 owner recognized me because of that article uh, about building homes and i ordered a kilo baklava which is was at the time 20 dollars and the guy came to me and said "Uh, you build homes right i I saw an article about you i said yes he asked me to lend him two hundred fifty thousand dollars I stopped and I said, I only Sorry, sorry. You walked in to buy $20 worth of baklava and he asks you for 250000 bucks. Yes. And he went on and said um, that uh, if I was, I, I couldn't help him or I wouldn't help him, he would be out of business uh, by Thursday and him and another, another 15, 20 people, chefs that he brought from overseas uh, would have to go back and lose their uh, residency because they had their visas on the business. So I said, "That's I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm just here for baklava. Uh, so I handed him my card, and you know, those cards that you hand sometime by thinking, oh, I don't know what to do with this, but you know, it was presented in front of me. So I moved, I took the baklava, I left, thanked him, and I got in, the, in my car and I started thinking, wasn't that exactly my story where Canadian helped me just because they wanted to help me and uh, maybe I should help this person and maybe I should stand by him and I went and I talked to my wife about it and she said you know well why don't you call him and let him come in for a meeting so we did and to make it short I decided to help him and his team I felt like it was one a a good business Uh, two most importantly I really wanted to help him because people had helped me and life had started smiling to me uh, with with housing and a couple of things that I've done and the risks I've taken. And uh, I landed him the money. And uh, three days, four days after, he called me back and said the CRA froze the account because he had not paid, did not know that he had to pay some employees' taxes and 
and other taxes. Uh, so basically, we lost the money. So he said, and I, I am sorry, come sell the equipment. So I said, please don't move because <laughs> the money's there. Everything is there. So I, I went there and I saw the chefs and all his staff crying, some of them, because they knew that that was it. So I called them all and I said, why don't we together? Talking, you're talking to someone that is a gemologist, don't know how to fry an egg, actually. I asked them if they, we all come together and even having and knowing that there is a risk that we would fail and turn this to a restaurant. I knew at the time that I go and eat sushi, I go eat Italian food every day. And I knew that people, including me as a Middle Eastern, I wasn't happy with the way the culture is presented with the, the food that is presented in Toronto. The Middle Eastern culture. The Middle, yeah, it was moms and pops, shawarma places, dirty, no decor, no systems in place. So I, I, I knew that there was that need. And I go and I venture out and I eat other people, other ethnic food. And I'm sure Canadian would like to come and enjoy the culture of another uh, country, but done to the standard of Canadian restaurants. So so you change the standard of Paramount is what you're saying? Yeah, and I think uh, I usually uh, it's very difficult for me to own anything that we did differently or is special because I still think that uh, I, I always remember where I came from, the poor guy that, that got held by Canadian and given an opportunity by Canadian. But this one, I think we can own part of it. I think Paramount and presenting ethnic food in general in a better way, more decor, more systems, cleaner, uh, higher quality of food of uh, of actual ingredients and even the way we presented it had uh, set the, the, the set, set a, 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 almost a way that to send a message to everyone that if you want to be in the ethnic food business now you need to decorate your restaurant you need to run it with a lot of higher standards otherwise you won't be able to compete with people like Piermont and uh, from there uh, we, I, I knew only customer service, so I started cleaning tables, smiling to people every time we made a mistake. It just replaced the food. We lost money like crazy, but the door wouldn't stop opening, and people start coming in, and we turned it from seventy-five thousand dollar a month sales to all the way to seventy-five thousand a week sales, and I had to hire a consultant to bring in. Uh, Canadian uh, that they are Canadian uh, exe- executive that joined the company that didn't know anything about Middle Eastern food but they knew how to run a restaurant right. to run the numbers and create so what, systems what, what, what year was it that you uh, lent the 250 grand 2006 2006 and uh, and so one restaurant in 2006 we're now 13 years later uh, how many restaurants today uh, by uh Tomorrow, there's two opening in Ivory Coast. Will be 73 restaurants. That's a pretty spectacular. Growth. Over 2,000 employees. Fantastic! Congratulations. Thank and, you. And 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 uh, and customer service obviously uh, was one of your keys to success. Um, another one was upgrading the, the the decor to sort of more Canadian standards or professional standards. What were your other keys to success in growing Paramount? Do you think? Well, I, I think one of the most important key to success growing Paramount and it continues and it's multiplying is uh, basing our business plan on a quadruple bottom line. Mm -hmm. And the quadruple bottom line is, uh, especially today, and it's getting better and better for us, at least at Paramount, because we started early. If you do not have a company that looks after the planet, the people, and doesn't have a purpose, it's very difficult to make a profit today. So you need a company that worries about the planet, because that will attract more customers, and your executive and your team will be proud, and we all... Uh, we are all now, it's all over, was all over the election that we need to fight climate change. 
and uh, people people is very important people don't work for companies brian people work for people yep and uh today is a talent issue people don't find enough talents in canada or anywhere around the world and if you're known that you look after your people you mentor your people and they work with you beside you not for you and you make them feel that, like the IKEA syndrome. You buy from IKEA a table, you put it together yourself, and now all of a sudden you love it because you put it together. And having your team part of the creation of the brand, having your team part of the creation of the strategy gives them that buy-in, make them feel like they're part of not only the, the employee team, they're part of the ownership team of the whole idea. So, so the line that I heard this past week, uh, which you probably heard, is that people don't quit companies, they quit to working for bosses. They, uh, they, there's bosses that they don't like and they leave. Um, 75% of Canadian employees don't feel engaged at work. And what you're talking about is engaging them. How do you go about engaging these employees in thinking about brand, thinking about uh, the, the things that you're talking about? Well, I think purpose does that. Having a company with purpose, having a company that gives them uh, the satisfaction of going home after a very long day and hard work and having a stories to tell their children for the children to look up to and for them to be proud in front of their parents and their family member, their wives, their husbands, right? And that's very important. And at Paramount, when they see that you work every day, but you're giving back to the community, you're changing people's life. When other companies did not do not look at that at the beginning, I we start partnering with community and helping causes from the first location. I'll never forget, uh, there is uh, some times that we helped, we had no cash flow in the account and we found it to help someone. Because I always believe, and I come from the mentality and the culture, uh, I'm a Muslim, uh, Brian, uh, in my house, we believed always, we were wired that way, I would say, that more you give, more you make. Right. And uh, so uh, from the inception of Paramount, uh, part of our DNA has always been always giving back to the community, larger community. I always say we need to build more community into our community. So, you know, talking about community, people a lot of times say, oh, yeah, the Muslim community. No, no, the Canadian community, human beings, every human. And we give back and we feel like people want to come and support us yeah. and talents want to come and find us. In 2017, when I uh, put some homeless in downtown Toronto in hotels, you know, uh, I'll never forget it. The head of training in Tim Horton called me and said, uh, my mom, uh, his mom called him and said, I heard you were not happy. If you really want to do something good to yourself and to your family, go to, go work for this man. If someone will take the day of New Year Eve away from his family and put his money, put these people in hotel just because he never met them, but he, he they needed help and he wanted to show up for them, him, him and his team. You need to be part of that team. I think it will add you much more than just money. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that you've done uh, at Paramount uh, a lot for the community, uh, whether it's uh, sponsoring festivals uh, or sponsoring uh, Muslim efforts or Lebanese efforts or Middle Eastern efforts uh, or, as you say, uh, a lot of uh, community uh, um, community endeavors. Um, and some of the ones that get uh, the best, uh, the most news are, are undoubtedly uh, the effort that you had in Quebec City in, uh, in the rebuilding the, the mosque after the shootings in, in Quebec, and then also the efforts that uh, you had in, I think it was since, no, was it Pittsburgh, uh, where there were uh, shootings in a synagogue. Um, but you have done a lot more than that. I think what you have also done is you've shown people that Middle Eastern food is, is good quality food, and you've, I think, been proud of taking your Middle Eastern halal food around the world. Uh, and that's a, a purpose that people have got to feel pride in as well, no? Oh, absolutely, they do. And most importantly is having Canadian coming to Paramount. More than 70% of our customers are Canadians from all backgrounds. Coming to support a different 
an entrepreneur that is Canadian, proudly Canadian, Lebanese, right? I always say Canada and Lebanon, I love them both. But it's like the love of your dad and your mom. You love them both, but you love them in a different way. Right. And you know what? Uh, Canadian supported me and uh, I feel the obligation and I feel like I'm missing something and or I'm, I'm doing something wrong if uh, any cause called me or someone called me that, to tell me that someone is in need and I just don't answer or don't reply or do not do something about it. And if I can't do it, I'll make sure to find someone to do it. So it's been part of our DNA. Uh, Paramount is wired that way. And you know what? Uh, I actually, I do agree with you. We've done a lot as well with the Muslim community, but I don't think uh, it's a Muslim-owned company, even if I own it, but I don't own it. My executive do, and my uh, executive are the second person in command is named Carolyn White, and she's born in Canada, and Jay Barnett, and he's born in Canada. So I need to, to, to be that leader that they look up to, and the leader that will actually be inclusive and uh, equally support causes that are close to their hearts as well, and close to my heart, quite honestly, because the people that helped me when I came to Canada... They didn't ask me if I was Muslim or not. They helped me because they want to help a human being. And I'm, I'm, I, I've made sure that I do it the same way and I pay it forward, not only for one community, for all for Canadians everyone. equally. So you uh, serve halal food, um, I presume? I do serve uh, halal food, but as well, it's a halal food that it's HACCP certified, done by the slaughterhouses, the most known, where all best steakhouse in the city uh, buy from. So I, I wasn't only worried about the fact that it's halal. Our uh, commissary kitchen, the master kitchen that produced for Paramount, for all the location is HACCP certified 98%, and it's one of the only and highest halal certified master kitchen. And when you expand uh, um, internationally, uh, um, do you just franchise it, or do you have a close association with people uh, bringing them back to Canada? It's both. Uh, we bring them back to Canada. Some of them we master franchise, but they have to come to Canada to get trained before, and we make sure that our eyes on them, and sometimes we send them executive to always uh, train them and continue training them and making sure that our brand is executed properly. So, you know, I've uh, um, been... Uh I've had the honor of going to your restaurants in a couple of different cities. Uh, I love chicken uh, shawarma, uh, and uh, and the consistency of food is great. The consistency of the decor and the and the staff uh, is uh, is number one consistent and number two excellent and high quality. So you're clearly doing something right uh, in the way that you execute your business strategy. So I congratulate you. But I've only had the privilege of of doing that in uh, in several cities in Canada. You are able to do that internationally as well. Like you say, you're opening the Ivory Coast. You can actually take that consistency to the Ivory Coast? Absolutely, we can. And uh, the good news for Canadians is that we open in Lebanon. This is our seventh location. If we can actually go sell shawarma in Beirut, where every second corner there is five shawarma places, right? That means that we have brought to Canada the best quality that it could compete actually in the home of where the shawarma started. And I'm not saying because there's always that argument, hummus, is it Israeli or Lebanese? Is it Lebanese or Palestinian? Is it Palestinian or Jordanian? But I'm saying if I can take it back to the Middle East and sell and compete and be successful up to six locations, that means we're providing Canadian with the top quality, definitely. And yes, we can provide the same consistency uh, anywhere in the world. It's just simply a formula that I did not create. Canadian executive, that they're very good at hospitality, that they are... My partners in Paramount, and when I say my partners, not financially, people that they work beside me, they made it better, they made it systematic and easy to repeat. We're talking with Mohamed Feki, the founder, not the founder, the president and CEO of Paramount Fine Foods. Uh, this evening on the Brian Crombie Radio Hour, we're going to take a short break for uh, traffic and some other messages and come right back to you. We're going to ask him about 
hate crimes and some of the other issues that he's been so passionately involved in. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. Saga 960 AM News Talk Radio. We're chatting tonight with uh, Mohammed Faki, who is the president and CEO of Paramount Fine Foods, a Middle Eastern halal restaurant chain uh, headquartered uh, here in uh, Mississauga. Uh, it started here in Mississauga, now uh, grown around the world and opening up a couple of restaurants in Ivory Coast, uh, which he just mentioned, which is kind of fascinating. But Mohammed, let me um, turn for a second and ask you about hate crimes. Um, there was a news article uh, and, a, and a media fascination with uh, your um, taking um, a individual in Mississauga to court for a hate crime because supposedly he was uh, trailing you and harassing you and videotaping you. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Uh, in 2017, there was an event uh, for the Laurier Club uh, for the Liberal Party that they booked uh, our location in Paramount in Crestland. And us, like any other hotel or any other restaurant, they booked it, and uh, we were actually doing the food and everything, and we hosted the event at that location. At the time, there was uh, something that uh, the people they were not happy about, that the government paid $10 million uh, for an issues, and I, I don't remember the name of the gentleman. But, uh, so we heard the day before that it's going to be protesters, so we prepared some baklava and some water, because that's Canadian right, people to protest. And if somebody is politician and people are allowed to voice their concerns. So we prepared them with some uh, baklava and you, water. You, you heard there were going to be protesters and you prepared for them some baklava and water. Yeah, that's the right to protest. <laughs> Why not? And, you know, maybe they'll like uh, Middle Eastern food and they'll become a customer. Right, good. I didn't know what it was about, honestly. I just wanted to be uh, a good host, <laughs> even if they're protesting. Okay, so they, sh- they show up and? And they show up, and it was very ugly. And uh, they were making fun of the people walking in. They were saying the things against Muslims. And they were videotaping. So I didn't understand what happening, but they were very aggressive in their way of doing things. So actually, we felt unsafe to even send our staff out with the water and the baklava. And uh, the uh, event ended. Uh, everybody was un- uncomfortable because of them hearing certain comments, anti-Muslims, anti-immigrant uh, outside. And then... I got uh, some videos people sending me and say, did you see this? 
So basically this individual, his name is Kevin Johnson, and at the time was uh, Ron Banerjee. They were uh, calling me terrorist. They were calling me Islamist. They were calling me that I, there is something nefarious about me opening a restaurant in Paramount, Dixie and Eglinton. I am myself, as I mentioned before, found that location weird, but it's, it's, it's difficult to open a business, but the business was very successful and it's been always successful and I built a company and I built an and, empire. And, and why were they calling you a terrorist? It was just like, is there any justification mm. for that at all? Well, definitely. My name is Mohammed and if you see kids around, I met somebody at Holtram through his name Mo and I'm like, why is your name Mo? Because he, uh, they told me that it's easier to be changing my name so maybe customers will be more comfortable to buy from me and I told him, well, when you put back your name, I'll come and buy from you, my friend. And he did. He texted me and he said, I put back my name. So, so the only reason why they were calling you a terrorist is because your first name is Muhammad. Because I'm Muslim, definitely. And they thought that would be easy, that they would take a shot at me. And those two people, they were famous about doing it to so many other people before me. And they got away with it. But they didn't know that I wouldn't just do nothing about it. I want my kids to really love this country and feel accepted in this country regardless of their name or their father background because my kids were born here. They're as Canadian as everyone else. And then there's something that happened in them all? Uh, that came after. So I actually um, asked these people to apologize. Both of them declined to apologize. And instead of that, they put some videos about me with all my face full of blood, my hand full of blood. My son walked into the house one day and said, why is this dad? People are asking me at the school why is your dad with his face all blood and people are saying that he's terrorist and he kills people for a living and he finances people to kill people for a living? It's a difficult moment. It's difficult even now talking about it. People thought because Mohammed has the money, he can fight them. It wasn't about the money. It was about, about the fight. It was two years of my children worrying and feeling bullied and me feeling bullied in front of my children. And we all teach our children to stand up to bullies. But, you know, our, our, our legal system is, I, I love our legal system, I respect our legal system, but it takes long before really settling or, or getting to a conclusion. And during that time, it was one of the most difficult time of my life, it was worse even than the, the war in Lebanon for me, because I thought I'm in Canada and I'm safe and I do a lot, uh, I help and I get helped. And I shouldn't be going through this. No one should be going through this. So, so these videos sound disgusting. Um, and uh, is this when you started the litigation or did you start the litigation later? No, I immediately after they refused to apologize, I started the litigation. And this is where one night, one day on Saturday, I took my children to the mall to get a haircut to spend some time with my three boys. And uh, Kevin Johnson uh, was there by mistake or wasn't by mistake. I don't know. And uh, he saw us and he came and started calling me names, calling me cowards in front of my children at the barber shop. And uh, we finished our hair, the haircut for the boys. We walked around the mall and he came running, uh, chasing me, sticking a phone five inches away from my son's face, calling me names, calling me that I'm a terrorist. My lawyer was on the phone telling me, please don't touch him. He wants you to make a mistake and do something. So, you know, I, I kept my, my, I was patient. I don't know how I kept it. Uh, I promise you, Brian, I got sick for two days after it because I never, I would never have not done anything in front of my children. Someone is bullying me, bullying them, attacking them, coming in their personal space. Went to the police. Police said, you know, he walked the fine line. We'll, we'll warn him. The lawyer said, you can't do much about it. So it went basically unchecked and he wasn't called to anything besides warning him. So uh, thank God, as I always say, I respect the legal system and I trust it. We, I won two and a half million dollars. Was the biggest ever legal action decision taken against uh, 
you know, defamation and uh, hate so, crime. So you charged him with a hate crime? Two and a half million dollars. And you dollars. won two and a half million dollars yes. from Kevin Johnson? Yes, I did. Congratulations. It sounds like a harrowing experience to be uh, videotaped like that and, and, and harassed with your own sons at a barber shop and uh, tailed and trailed at a, at a mall? Oh, it's, it was horrible uh, for my wife, for my kids. People used to say, it's okay, Mohammed can do it. It wasn't that easy, honestly. And I, I promised myself after I won that one that I, if I hear about anyone being attacked by haters, I will never let them, leave them alone. I will always go and stand beside them and offer them help. You know, there's something wrong with our system today where I don't know whether it's the anonymity of the internet or uh, YouTube videos or something like that, but people are expressing disgusting, hateful views. It would appear far more frequently and openly than they ever may have done so in the past. And some of it might be, you know, President Donald Trump uh, calling into question people's uh, loyalty because of their ethnicity and their immigration. But it's it's wrong, and so I, I congratulate you for standing up, and I think that uh, you've uh, set an example for a lot of people um, and, uh, and shone a light on, uh, on some of the underbelly of Canadian society that is uh, prejudiced and racist and harmful and, and hateful, and, and I congratulate you for winning that, uh, that award. No, thank you very much, and I think uh, the numbers of us Canadian that are against hate is much bigger than the one, the one that actually supports something like this, but the problem is Having a bigger number won't help us if we remain silent. And I think from this show, from the radio, and I know what you stand for, what the station stands for, I think Canadians should stand up against hate all the time. We need to speak out because we need to tell these people that we want to maintain Canada, the Canada that everybody wanted and was desperate to come here. We need to talk more about our Canadian dream. We don't. So I was uh, on Parliament Hill um, in December of 2018. Parliament Hill had an outdoor rink, and Kevin Johnston was there with a megaphone and a whole bunch of people, and they were uh, objecting uh, to gay rights and uh, uh, spouting things that were just disgusting. I couldn't believe it. Um, what's, what's become of Kevin Johnston today? Have you quieted him down? Well, I, I mean, I hope he understood that this is not okay as well to come to people's personal space, attack people, their children, their family. I mean, people, if he has some views, people respect everyone's view if it's done the right way, proper way. But it shouldn't be, uh, people should not think that they're protecting Canadian or Canada from these immigrants that came here. Well, no, I... I came here, I would protect Canada before anyone else because this is the place that kept me safe, me and my family, and where I had the opportunity to build a real life. So I hope people like him and him, they will think about it twice after two and a half million dollars. And I'm, I said... I hope he thinks about it more than twice after two and a half million dollars. Well, I'm happy to actually support anyone that it's... And, I'm, and from this show, I'm telling anyone that if you're subject to hate something like this, I'm happy to support even financially because... These people should not think that it's okay. And you know what? Hate will never, ever win in Canada. Canadian has sent that message. Even for one day when the People Party's leader lost his own seat, you know, hate should not and will not win in Canada because we want to protect this country. This country and the people of this country are amazing. They're beautiful. I love them. And I will use anything I've been given in Canada coming with $1,200 in my pocket to really defend this country and what, what, what's known for it. We're talking with uh, Mohamed Faki, the president and CEO of Paramount Fine Foods, and we're talking about standing up against hate. We're going to take a short break for traffic and some other messages, and we're going to ta- come back and talk about, uh, about uh, standing up and uh, Mohamed Faki's uh, um, honorary uh, doctorate award from Ryerson, where he actually made a speech on standing up.
Stay with us. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. Saga 960. I'm having the pleasure tonight of chatting with Mohammed Faki, the founder, uh, the president and CEO of Paramount Fine Foods, a Middle Eastern restaurant chain headquartered here in Mississauga and now around the world, opening up in the Ivory Coast. Um, and we've talked about uh, his uh, story of coming to Canada, uh, his uh, success in buying uh, Paramount, why Paramount has become successful and grown around the world, some of his uh, lessons uh, in that. And then we spent the last couple of minutes talking about uh, a terrible experience in his life when he was subject to uh, to a hate crime, and he successfully sued and won uh, $2.5 million from, uh, from Kevin Johnson, who was the individual that uh, was the source of that hateful comments. Um, so a fascinating story, Mohammed. Um, you won uh, a year ago, or not won, but you were honored uh, a year or a year to, a little bit ago with an honorary doctorate uh, uh, from Ryerson University, and uh, and you did a, uh, a pretty uh, impassioned speech about how people have to stand up. Um, tell us what your experience with standing up is and why you think it's so important to tell young people that they need to stand up for what's right. Well, I, I actually believe that we, we all need to stand up for what's right. I mean, we can't be a silent witness to anything, and uh, if we do, that's a wink, uh, telling the other people, whoever, that you're standing up against, that it's okay what you're doing and you can keep doing it. So I've stood up all my life. That's the way I think. Again, one more time, I'm wired. I can't see something wrong happening in front of my eyes and be that silent witness. So standing up for what's right, it usually has a lot of price as well. It hurts, you know. And as you know, everything in life is like a muscle. Like you can't be in shape unless it hurts a little bit. And you can't call yourself a charitable if you're a multi-billionaire and you're giving $10 to charity. It has to hurt. It has to hurt a little bit. So when you're expecting to stand up, don't expect that it's going to be with no consequences. I got attacked every attack every attacked every day on Twitter for standing up for something or the Sufi restaurant downtown. But you know what? I had made myself a promise. I will always stand up and make a difference. So let's talk about some of these instances. Uh, Quebec City, uh, uh, shooting in the mosque. Uh, um, you decided that you were going to uh, rebuild that mosque. Um, um, but people were warning you against that. Uh, why were they warning you against that? And, and what was your example of standing up there? Well, I, I walked into my house and my son, Imad, was scared, thinking that's going to happen at his school. And uh, I thought I'll ask him a better question. What can we do about it? Because us talking about what happened in the past, even was two hours before that, wouldn't help us. What can we do about it? How can we make Canadians come together, all together, in a moment where everybody, everyone was scared? That was something new to Canadians, that someone would walk in and shoot in a mosque. And I come up from a war area, from a city that I've seen those incidents, not personally, but I've seen close to my house happening. So Canadians were worried, didn't know what's going to happen. And my son and my family were scared, were worried that will happen again in, in our kids' schools or anywhere else. So, you know, we, we, we realized that the best way of standing up is bringing something positive to something that everyone thinks that it's dark. And that was paying for the funeral of these people. And when I talked about it to everybody, including my mom, even the gentleman that drives me around with my car, he said, don't do it. I mean, you know, you're know, you going to be attacked by everyone. It's the wrong thing to do. You know, we don't know who sh who came into the mosque to, to do that 
incident and the horrible incident that happened in Quebec City, which has caused of six people died, their brothers, sisters, like they had a brother, sisters, families, jobs, like people like me and you, Brian, and they didn't expect that. And definitely didn't expect that. So, you know, I said, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the right thing no matter what. Because we need to send a strong message that they're not going to be left alone again. And everyone called me and said, please don't do it. And then it went to the second level of, you know, if you want to do it, do it and don't announce it. But when I spoke to the people at the mosque, they needed so much more money. So I had to come out and say, why don't we stand beside them instead of just cry and put candles and flowers let's show that we have a spine in this country that we stand up beside the people that they they're most vulnerable in those moments and i i'm very glad to tell you the second biggest check after mine it came from an amazing amazing jewish family to help the mosque oh really and that brought canadian together again yeah and then hours after they did those circle of peace rings rings of peace that Canadian from all backgrounds stood in front of mosques to send a protection message. And it happened in Pittsburgh, where everyone, including Muslim, stood around the synagogues, even here in Toronto, to send a message that we all going to come up and stand up together. And as soon as I announced what I did, and it turned to positive, and even all politicians called me and thanked me for what I did, a lot of people became supportive. A lot of people wanted to stand up too. And that's what I said in Ryerson. When you stand up for what's right, you push other people you make other people fear feel that it's okay to stand up and they will stand up too and yeah there is a power and and the, there is a strength in numbers and when we all stand up hopefully we'll send those people back to the shadows and back to hide behind the internet well i congratulate you uh, for uh, your efforts in standing up and i do think you've been an example this pittsburgh one was uh, kind of strange uh, so this was a jewish synagogue that was similarly attacked by uh, by a, uh, a shooter. Um, why were you involved there? Well, because it's the same thing. It's a human beings that are being attacked by shooters unfairly, and that's hate. And we need all to stand up against hate. It doesn't matter to which community or what kind of hate. And if we do not all stand up, people might think that it's okay if I actually attack that community, the rest of them will not stand up. We need to stand up jointly together so we can celebrate together. So some people, uh, I think, may have criticized you in the past that you're only worried about Muslim issues. What you're saying is, no, you're worried about a lot more than just Muslim issues. I'm worried about the whole, uh, every human being to have a fair chance. All communities from all backgrounds, we have a lot, we do support a lot. Maybe some of them will come out to the media. Unfortunately, maybe the one that came out to the media, they're more Muslim than non-Muslim. But you know what, like I said to you, we have part of our DNA that will support people from all backgrounds. And we have a reason to do that because our own employee, our own executive are very diverse from different backgrounds. And we can't set the example that we're not a Muslim uh, company. We're a Canadian company owned by a Muslim immigrant, but most importantly, a Canadian Muslim immigrant. And that's very important. So it uh, it seems like you're on the, in the media a lot. Uh, are you going to be running for prime minister or something like that? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just running for a shawarma minister if they ex- if there is one exist ever. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not to be. I'm not here. Or I'm not doing anything to become ever a politician. I love what I do. I love what I do for the community. I love my business, and I want to continue do- doing that. Well, Mohammed, it's been a pleasure chatting with you uh, tonight. We're going to take one last bla- break, and then we're going to come back uh, with my two cents on. Uh, I'm Mohamed Faki, the president and CEO of Paramount Fine Foods, a great restaurant. I highly recommend you go and check out the chicken shawarma uh, or the hummus. Uh, both are excellent. Uh, stay with us for uh, 
last final word. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. It's Brian Crombie, Brian Crombie Radio Hour and Saga 960. We've just had the pleasure of chatting with Mohammed Feki, the president and CEO of Paramount Fine Foods. I think that uh, Mohammed and his story have got a bunch of uh, really helpful examples. First of all, his personal story of coming here as an immigrant to Canada with nothing in his pocket, even though he had, uh, you know, a very uh, attractive uh, opportunity to stay in Lebanon, stay in Italy. Uh, he was a gemologist. He was looking for a new opportunity for himself and for his family, and he came here with nothing. He was willing to start at the bottom um, uh, and work his way up, uh, learning the language, learning the culture, uh, taking a job uh, for free, um, working it up, then becoming an entrepreneur, and then taking risks, and then investing in opportunities. And so I think that's the, the immigrant story that's a story we all should be proud of and it's a story that um, other immigrants other young Canadians uh, other older Canadians all have to be mindful of I think he's also got an incredible story of uh, fighting against hate and I think that's something that uh, we all have to be mindful of Uh, I was at a dinner with the head of Angus Reid a little while ago and he said there's always been a 10-15% of the population that is racist that is helpful that is hateful um, and uh, and we have to be mindful of that on an ongoing basis. Otherwise, um, if all of us don't stand up, if all of us take a back seat, then uh, those racist, hateful people will end up having a loud voice and uh, uh, can end up uh, having a great influence on public policy uh, and uh, on uh, on sort of public opinion. And so I think that uh, the efforts that Muhammad has made against hate, against racism, um, against uh, people that have been Islamic phobic, uh, I think uh, are are a great example for all of us. And then I think finally his example of just standing up for what is right. Um, you know, we've seen this uh, over and over and over again, whether it's whistleblowers or whether it's uh, this uh, lieutenant colonel that's the uh, the Ukrainian uh, um, uh, lieutenant colonel in the in the impeachment hearings in the United States that uh, just said he was doing this just because it was right. Um, and, and doing things because they're right, I think, is something that we all have to be mindful of and do more often. Anyway, I think that Mohammed Faki and Paramount Fine Foods have got an interesting story. It's a business story. It's a personal story. And it's a story for all of us in standing up for what is right. Brian Crombie and the Brian Crombie Radio Hour every night, 6 o'clock on Saga960M or online Saga960M.ca. Thanks and good evening. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960am.ca. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.